Good afternoon, church. I've been tasked with religious liberty in the spirit of prophecy. Some have said that there are religious liberty experts here this weekend. I certainly am not one of them, but I know one. Her name is Ellen White. And we're gonna be looking at a number of her statements this afternoon in relationship to this important subject of religious liberty. We've started in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I wanted us to make a connection between what's going on in our world today and maybe in our church today and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit or the lack of the Holy Spirit, i.e. the Holy Spirit being withdrawn. One of the principles that identifies the Holy Spirit's presence, according to this Bible verse, is liberty, freedom. And we're seeing that slowly pulling away from us in this country and in the world in these last days. Take note of that. We're going to be looking primarily in the spirit of prophecy, but there are also some Bible verses that I want us to look at, specifically in Daniel chapter 11 and in Revelation chapters 12 and 13. This particular statement was written in 1904, and I think it's really apropos for us today, right now, because we really have no time to lose. We're running against the clock, and we have a lot of information to cover. Troublous times are before us. The world is stirred with a spirit of war. Soon the scenes of trouble spoken of in the prophecies will take place. The prophecy in the 11th of Daniel has nearly reached its complete fulfillment, and much of the history that has taken place in fulfillment of this prophecy will be repeated. So what part of that chapter is past? What part of it is history that's going to be repeated? And what part of it is still to take place in the future? Thankfully, we are told by God exactly where to start in relationship to this inspired statement. But I want you to notice four things here in the statement, or I should say five. We have no time to lose. I think God is in earnest with us right now. We really need to think about what's ahead of us and prepare ourselves. And then it says, troublous times are before us. We see that, it's looming, isn't it? All of the changes that are taking place in our world and in this country. And then it says, the world is stirred with a spirit of war. It seems as though this statement was written just yesterday and not in 1904, a year after Uriah Smith's death. Soon the scenes of trouble spoken of in the prophecies will take place. And then finally, the prophecy in the 11th chapter of Daniel has nearly reached its complete fulfillment and much of the history in fulfillment of this prophecy will take place or will be repeated. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you again this afternoon for your word. Thank you for the spirit of prophecy. Thank you for helping us to navigate where we've been, where we are, where we're going through this lesser light that leads us to the greater light of the Bible. Please, Father, speak to us this morning through these statements, through your word. Help our minds and our hearts to be receptive and open to the truths that we're about to consider. Let them sink deep within us, we ask. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. So we look here in Daniel chapter 11 at the 30th verse. That's where we're told to begin, in the 30th verse. 
A power spoken of that will be grieved and return and have indignation against the holy covenant. So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the holy covenant. You notice a theme here that's developing, the holy covenant. Arms shall stand on his part. They shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and take away the daily sacrifice and place the abomination that maketh desolate. We understand that in the New Testament to be referring to the Sunday law. And then it goes on to say in the following verses, and such as do wickedly against the covenant. There it is again, the third time. The covenant, the holy covenant, the covenant. He will corrupt by flatteries, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. If this isn't describing the time in which we live, I don't know what is. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many, yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame and kept by captivity many days. And when they shall fall, they shall be aided, holpen, the King James says, with a little help, but many will cleave to them with flatteries. The statement goes on. And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them, to purge them, to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. That's referring to 1798 and the beginning of the time of the end. And the king, verse 36, and this is the key verse that's included with these texts. And again, I'm still quoting from Ellen White. She's quoting these Bible verses in her statement. The king shall do according to his will. He shall exalt himself. He will magnify himself above every god. And he shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that that is determined shall be done. Scenes similar to those described in these words will take place. We see evidence that Satan is fast obtaining control of human minds who have not the fear of God before them. Let all read and understand the processes of this book, for we are now entering upon the time of trouble spoken of. Wow. So scenes similar to those described in these words will take place. We see evidence that Satan is fast obtaining the control of human minds of not the fear of God before them. Let all read and understand the processes of this book, for we are now entering upon the time of trouble spoken of. So Daniel chapter 11, 30 to 39, is history, prophecy. It's already happened, but it's going to be repeated. At least the principles are going to be repeated. And then we have Daniel 11, 40 to 45. That's history since the time of the end because in Daniel 11, verse 40, it says, at the time of the end, the king of the south shall push at him. And then the king of the north comes against him like a whirlwind with chariots and horsemen and many ships. So we see the history of the dark ages being repeated in verses 30 to 39. And then we're going to see the history since the time of the end take place in verses 40 to 45 according to what we read here in the Spirit of Prophecy. So what are we looking at in relation to the Dark Ages? We're looking at a time when, according to Great Controversy 252, in the seventh century at least, thousands of pastors were expelled from their positions. The people were forbidden on pain of heavy fines, imprisonment, and banishment to attend any religious meetings. This is Great Controversy 252. It's not describing what happened in our country in the last three years. It's talking about something that happened in the Dark Ages, but it says this history will be repeated. Churches banned, meetings banned, people not allowed to go to churches. It says, continuing on, yet God was with his people. Amen? 
and persecution could not prevail to silence their testimony. Many were driven across the ocean to America and here lay the foundations of civil and religious liberty which had been the bulwark and glory of this country. So there we have the beginning of what we find in the spirit of prophecy concerning religious liberty. It takes us back to the Dark Ages, which is the very place that we just read about in Daniel chapter 11, 30 to 39. Those verses describing the Dark Ages, Ellen White says that history is going to be repeated. We're standing on the very brink of the repetition of that history, which will be added to by verses 40 to 45, and again supplemented by Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 17. In the seventh century, thousands of pastors were expelled from their positions. In the 17th century, the people were forbidden on pains of heavy fines, imprisonments and banishes, banishment to attend any religious meetings. We moved to California in 2020, actually 2021. The first Sabbath that we were there in our new location was the first time that our churches were open. The first time we attended our local church, which happens to be less than a mile from our house, we could walk to church, was the first Sabbath it was officially open. The reason why it was officially open is because there was a church, not an Adventist church, but a Sunday-keeping church, who fought the governor of California, who fought the restrictions, and eventually, after being levied fine after fine after fine of thousands and thousands and perhaps hundreds of thousands of dollars, won his case. And thereby, our churches were opened. It's interesting, isn't it? No wonder God says that his people are still in Babylon. No wonder he calls them out, but yet can't quite call them out yet until we get to the place where they, some of them, perhaps many of them, presently are. In some ways, they're already ahead of us. Yet God was with his people, and persecution could not prevail to silence their testimony. Many were driven across the ocean to America. This country became the glory of religious liberty. It was a desire, Great Controversy 292, it was a desire for the liberty of conscience that inspired the pilgrims to brave the perils of the long journey across the sea, to endure the hardships and dangers of the wilderness, and with God's blessing to lay on the shores of America the foundation of a mighty nation. That's what we came here for. That's why America was discovered. That's why it was established. It was established to, to lay the foundation of liberty, civil liberty and religious liberty. Great Controversy 441, among the Christian exiles who first fled to America and sought an asylum from royal oppression and priestly intolerance were many who determined to establish a government upon the broad civil and religious, broad foundation of civil and religious liberty. Their views found a place in the Declaration of Independence which sets forth the great truth that all men are created equal and endowed with the in alienable right to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Again, Great Controversy 441. So, when we think about these statements, we recognize that God had his hand in the establishment of this country. Unlike what many people are saying today, God had his hand in the establishment of religious and civil liberties in this country, in the founding of this country. Republicanism 
Great Controversy 441 continues, and Protestantism became the fundamental principles of the nation. These principles are the secret of its power and prosperity. The oppressed, the downtrodden throughout Christendom have turned to this land with interest and hope. Millions have sought its shores, and the United States has risen to a place among the most powerful nations of the earth. Signs of the Times, June 3rd, 1889. When Puritans immigrated from England to America, they were like shipwrecked mariners who had barely escaped with their lives. Left without friends or influence, all they had was their precious faith, their strong will, their earnest devotion to God. They were sheep without a shepherd. The believers were few. I think we're going to be moving back in that direction in this country. The believers were few. Like a mustard seed, which is the least of all seeds, so the pilgrims seemed the pilgrims, but their influence became powerful and far-reaching. The faith of the Puritans was as a coal from the altar of God, an inextinguishable light that glorified the land with its radiance. And you know, our heritage is directly connected to these pilgrims. James White, Life Sketches, page nine. My father descended from one of the pilgrims who came to America in the ship Mayflower and landed upon Plymouth Rock, December 1620. On board that ship was the father of Penegrin White who wore a pair of silver knee buckles such as may be seen in the pictures of the ver venerable signers of the Declaration of Independence. Isn't that amazing? The Seventh-day Adventist Church's pioneer, founder, one of them, James White, James Springer White, is directly connected to the Program Fathers. Never could we get so sure of a foundation for our church's religious and civil liberties as this, for it was the Pilgrim Fathers themselves that established those principles. And James White is a direct descendant of those Pilgrim Fathers. The United States Manuscript 17, 1906 is a land that has been under the special shield of, omnip of the Omnipotent One. God has done great things for this country. God has done great things for this country. Maranatha 193, the Lord has done more for the United States than any other country upon which the sun shines. He provided an asylum for his people, an asylum for his people where they could worship him according to the dictates of conscience. Here Christianity has progressed in its purity. The life-giving doctrine of one mediator between God and man has been freely taught. That changed my whole life's experience to recognize, as Revelation chapter 12 tells us, that the woman fled into the wilderness, into her place, that she was given two wings of an eagle, that she might fly into her place, Revelation chapter 12, 14 and 15, so she could escape the flood of persecution that came against her in those dark ages. And that flood of persecution that tried to swallow her up was swallowed up by the land by the earth, it says in Revelation chapter 12, 15 and 16. The earth swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. The earth being the land, the country of this United States of America. Not the government, because there was no government when this country swallowed up that flood. 
but what there was was the principles of liberty and freedom. The principles of civil and religious liberty and freedom swallowed up the flood of persecution that came after the woman, after God's people. God designed, Maranatha 193, that this country should ever remain free for people to worship him in accordance with their dictates of conscience. He designed that its civil institutions in their expansive productions should represent the freedom of gospel privileges. And so where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But have you noticed that we are losing that liberty today? And in a very real sense, the Spirit of the Lord is being withdrawn from the earth today. It is tangible, if you are awake spiritually, to see the Spirit of the Lord being removed from the earth today. And we see the results in people. We see the results in human beings made in the image of God who are acting more like animals than the image in which God made them. So we have this freedom that God has given us, this freedom of conscience, this freedom of speech, this freedom of assembly, this freedom of the press, this freedom to address grievances, all of that established by the Spirit of God and all of that under the attack of the dragon who works through leaders and individuals to destroy our freedoms. When we look at this in the context of Bible prophecy, we are told that soon, very soon, we are going to completely lose all of these freedoms. But the unrivaled mercies and blessings of God have been showered upon our nation and it has been a land of liberty and glory of the whole earth. But instead of returning gratitude to God, instead of honoring His law, the professed Christians of America have been leavened with pride, covetousness, and self-sufficiency. The love of money, which is the root of all evil, has had a large place in their hearts. Adventist Review and Sabbath Herald, May 2, 1893. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 6.10 that the love of money is the root of all evil. And there's been a lot of evil in our world and in this country in the last few years. The root of that evil is the love of money, covetousness, pride, self-sufficiency. All of us are guilty to one degree or another, and God is seeking to loose our hands from things that are earthly, from earthly material possessions, so that we can be prepared for a time we're not gonna be able to buy or sell. Now, some of us look at that time with fear and anxiety. What's going to happen when we can no longer buy or sell? But we need to have a different perspective because it's the buying and the selling and the, the material possessions that we have that are many times cutting us off from our necessary connection with and communion with God. Some of us barely eke out coming to church on Sabbath. And before the day's even over, we're looking for the sundown time so we can get back into the world and into our material possessions and concerns. And so God in his mercy is going to come to a place where he's gonna cut us off from all of that so that he can finally prepare us for what's ahead. When we no, can no longer access our cell phones and media, 
We can no longer go to our offices and, and receive our income. We can no longer buy and sell in this world. That's going to be one of the greatest blessings for our spiritual maturity that we could ever experience. We're going to have plenty of time to give Bible studies, to go door to door, and to get familiar with the promises of God and to lay all our weight upon them, perhaps as we never have before. Selected Messages, Volume 1, page 92. It is in vain, is it in vain that the declaration of eternal truth has been given to this nation to be carried to all the nations of the world? God has chosen a people and made them repositories of truth, weighty with eternal results. To them has been given the light that must illuminate the world. Has God made a mistake? Are we indeed his chosen instrumentalities? Are we the men and women who are to bear to the world the messages of Revelation 14? To proclaim the message of salvation to those who are standing on the brink of ruin? Do we act as if we were? Desire of Ages 487. It is Satan and men actuated by his spirit that seek to compel the conscience. Under a pretense of zeal for righteousness, men who are confederate with evil angels bring suffering upon their fellow men in order to convert them to their ideas of religion. But Christ is ever showing mercy, ever seeking to win by the revealing of his love. Here we have a marked revelation that will help us to navigate what just happened in the last three years and what is before us. Just take this principle and allow it to be a light to your feet and a lamp to your path. Or a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Allow the word of God to illuminate your conscience, your heart, and show you whether or not you were seeking to force or be forced to do something that was against individual conscience. I got a uh, text message from a friend who is an anesthesiologist and was wondering about getting the emergency experimental jab, the e-jab. And he asked me about my opinion. And I asked them, I said, well, if you were independently wealthy, you had all the money that you needed, and you didn't need a job, and you didn't need an income, would you get the e-jab? And his immediate response was, no. <laughs> and I said, so why are you thinking about getting it? And he said, because I have a job that I need to keep. It is Satan who seeks to compel the conscience to do something that we wouldn't necessarily do. And what, what is the reason for doing that? Financial benefit, economic security. This is where we are in the world and in our church. Desire of Ages 47 goes on, there can be no more conclusive evidence that we possess the spirit of Satan than the disposition to hurt and destroy those who do not appreciate our work and who act contrary to our ideas. It is vital for us to recognize how wrong we have been on this issue of mandates. The Seventh-day Adventist Church, it is stated in General Conference October 25, 2021, 
is not opposed to public safety and government health mandates, unquote. Quote, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, in consultation with health ministries and public affairs and religious liberty departments of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, is convinced that the vaccination programs that are generally being carried out are important for the safety and health of members and the larger community. Therefore, claims of religious liberty are not used appropriately in objecting to government mandates or employer programs designed to protect the health and safety of their communities." Unquote. That's where we stand officially. It is in direct contradiction to the principles that we've been talking about, that the principles that are enunciated in the Bible and in the spirit of prophecy. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's interesting because Pfizer officials have recently been taken to task on their support of mandates for their vaccine, and their response was, no one was forced to take the COVID-19 vaccine injections. I'm quoting now. Instead, people were offered an opportunity to take the shots. Pfizer's head of regulatory sciences, Dr. Brian Hewitt, made comments during an Australian Senate Education and Employment Legislation Committee meeting in August, that is this month of this year, Dr. Hewitt and his colleague were hauled before the committee last week as a part of an ongoing COVID inquiry and were subjected to questioning by several senators. Queensland's, Queensland Senator Pauline Hansen expressed her shock after Dr. Hewitt commented that nobody had been forced to take the injection. You were in Australia doing COVID-19, said Hansen. You must have been fully aware that people, nurses, doctors, people that have their jobs to keep their jobs were forced to have the vaccination. Now, do you retract your statement that they were not forced? But Mr. Hewitt reaffirmed his claim that there had been no vaccine mandate, only an opportunity, quote unquote. Senator, no, he said, I believe firmly that nobody was forced to have a vaccine. Mandates are vaccine requirements determined by governments and health authorities. Our belief is, our belief everybody was offered an opportunity to get a vaccination or not to get a vaccine. I don't believe that anybody was forced to get a vaccine, said Dr. Hewitt. A lot of Australians will disagree with you on that one, replied Hansen. And I hope a lot of Americans will too. Pfizer is not alone in denying the recent vaccine mandates. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, whose vaccine mandates for all Canadians over 12, was considered extraordinarily recently denied he had forced anyone to get vaccinated. In 2021, Trudeau began ordering restrictions to force Canadians to take the injections, which included forbidding children 12 or over from having travel on public transportation, federal workers who refused the shots were placed on unpaid leave, unvaccinated Canadians were forbidden from entering the country or even crossing provincial borders. You don't get to work in the public service. You don't get to go to movie theaters or gyms or restaurants, he told the unvaccinated in 2021. He added, there are no excuses not to get vaccinated and that the enforcement measures are in place to ensure everyone gets vaccinated. And as recently as last October, Trudeau was still threatening the Canadian population with more restrictions if vaccinations did not continue. The Prime Minister made several such ultimatums last year, including more lockdowns if every single Canadian did not become fully vaccinated. Yet, during a talk at the University of Iowa in April, Trudeau said he only provided incentives 
for vaccination in order to respect the individual choices of those who refuse the shots. Individuals are allowed to make their own choices. There may be all sorts of reasons why someone is hesitant to get vaccinated, said Trudeau. And therefore, while not forcing anyone to get vaccinated, I chose to make sure all the incentives and all the protections were there to encourage Canadians to get vaccinated. And that is the political double talk that we are going to see not only in the world, but in our own church. Because in the very same context of those statements I read you from the General Conference, we were told at the General Conference session, June 6, 2022, at three hours, 27 minutes and 40 seconds, that the General Conference is not mandated that people take the vaccine. It has given people a choice. Well, I think a lot of pastors that were contacting me when Biden's mandate was about to go through and writing their resignation letters to the Seventh-day Adventist Conference that they work for would disagree with you on that. Where there is no liberty, there is no Holy Spirit. And it is a flat contradiction and hypocrisy to be praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and revival in our church and be supporting mandates in our church. It doesn't work. Where the Spirit is, there's liberty. And where the Spirit is not, there's a loss of liberty. We need to respect religious liberty. Desire of Ages 550, in matters of conscience, the soul must be left untrammeled. No one is to control another's mind, to give judge, to be judged for another, to, or to prescribe his duty. God gives to every soul freedom to think and to follow his own convictions. Every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. No one has a right to merge his own individuality and that of another. In all matters where principle is involved, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Romans 14, 12. And five. In Christ's kingdom, there is no lordly oppression, no compulsion of manner. Great Controversy 610. Persecution in its varied forms is the development of a principle which will exist as long as Satan exists and Christianity has vital power. No man can serve God without enlisting himself, listing against himself the opposition of the hosts of darkness. Evil angels will assail him, alarmed that his influence is taking the prey from their hands. Evil men, rebuked by his example, will unite with them in seeking to separate him from God by alluring temptations. That's what you're going to face when you stand for religious liberty. Count on it. While many of our rulers are active agents of Satan, God has his agents among the leading men of the nation. The enemy moves upon his servants to propose measures that would greatly impede the work of God, but statesmen who fear the Lord, and let me just put another word in there, statesmen and judges who fear the Lord are influenced by holy angels to oppose such proposition, propositions with unanswerable arguments. When these do not succeed, then a compelling power is employed to force the conscience. Thus a few men will hold in check a powerful current of evil. That's what happened with Biden's mandate. One judge overruled it. And the course of hundreds, if not thousands of pastors was changed. And I was one of those pastors because I wasn't sure what was gonna happen to me. 
working for a ministry that employs over 100 people at Three Angels Broadcasting Network. I wasn't sure. But I know one thing, 3ABN stood behind us, and they were ready to do anything and everything they needed to do. They were already in contact with their lawyers to fight this if it was passed. But one judge, a few men, will hold in check a powerful current of evil. Great Controversy 6.10. The opposition of the enemies of truth will be restrained that the third angel's message may do its work. It is now time, not tomorrow, today, while it is called today. When the final warning shall be given, it will arrest the attention of these leading men through whom the Lord is now working, and some of them will accept it and will stand with the people of God through the time of trouble. You've seen that. Right here in this church, you've seen that, haven't you? There is an evil manuscript, 51, 1895, a great evil that is to be rooted out of all our council meetings and our board meetings. We are living in perilous times. Men are striving for control over their fellow men. God is displeased and dishonored. Man is led to fear man rather than God. See, the principle of the new covenant is based upon five promises that God makes to us. And one of those promises is in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 11. And that promise is, is that you don't need any man to teach you. That God himself will teach you that you will have 1 John chapter 2, verses 20 and 27, an anointing from the Holy One. Now, it doesn't mean we don't need pastors, we don't need teachers, but what it means is everything that they teach us will be in harmony with what God teaches us in His Word, what the Holy Spirit teaches us. It will just confirm what we've been studying, or we will affirm what they've been teaching us as we study. We don't need to follow man's teachings in contradiction to the Word of God. And that's why that Holy Covenant principle is being attacked so strongly by this power of the dark ages that is resurfacing today and is going to make an image or is going to have an image made to it by Protestant America. Continuing on, it says, my brethren, has not the word of God been dismissed from your councils? Have not the words of men had too much power? Has not religious freedom been excluded from your assemblies? Have, not censure, have you not censured your fellow men? when you yourselves were standing on the censure of God, take your hands off your brethren. These statements ought to encourage us in what is before us. Because some of us have been wearied. As Jeremiah 12, 5 says, if you have run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, how will you do at the swelling of the Jordan. If in a land of peace, prosperity, you've been wearied, how are you going to survive in those days ahead? God's word is going to be the only thing that will give us the strength we need to move forward. The word of God gives us the faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let every man place himself under, under his control, God's control. Let him be recognized in all our assemblies. Manuscript 51, 1895 continues. In every business meeting, every council meeting, every committee meeting, he sees all that is done. He hears all that is said. Thou, God, seest me. Let these words be ever kept in mind. They will be a safeguard against imprudent, passionate speeches, against all desire to domineer. They will repress words that should never be spoken and resolutions that men have no right to make, resolutions that restrict the liberty of human beings. The Tsar of Ages 738. 
Pilate longed to deliver Jesus, but he saw he could not do this and yet retain his own position and honor. That's where we are today. Rather than lose his worldly power, he chose to sacrifice an innocent life. How many to escape loss or suffering in like manner sacrifice principle? Conscience and duty point one way and self-interest points another. The current sets strong in the wrong direction and he who compromises with the evil is swept away into the thick darkness of guilt. God is in earnest with us right now. He's longing for us to understand what is taking place in our world. We cannot be promising people liberty if we are ourselves the servants of corruption. 2 Peter 3, 2 and verse 19. Liberty or freedom, freedom of speech is going away. We're afraid to speak up for fear of consequences. Freedom of assembly, churches closed and they're saying it's coming around again. What are we going to do this time? Free address of grievances, gaslighted, ignored, canceled. Free access to medical services, denied if you are not ejabbed. While we all wait for Sunday laws, every earthly support was already cut off from certain unjabbed people and people groups. In 1844, the ministry attempted to silence free speech regarding the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Whites, well not the Whites, I shouldn't say that, the Ellen White's family, the Harmons were disfellowshipped from the Methodist Church for speaking about the second coming of Jesus. In 1888, we attempted to silence free speech and ridicule Jones and Wagner. And in 2021, we sought to silence the message of liberty of conscience by saying this is not about freedom. This is not about liberty. Why was free, free speech attacked? What's the reason? The root cause is the love of money. Follow the trail and you'll find the root cause. We are no longer as a church in our institutions, our medical institutions and our educational institutions, we are no longer dependent on God. We are now dependent on the government and the income of the government. And therefore we must comply. We've become like dumb dogs, Isaiah 56 says, who will not bark. There's probably nothing more hypocritical than a church professing to believe in religious liberty while spewing out grotesque utterings against those who bravely stand for freedom of conscience. We are divided in our church over this issue, and we shouldn't be. To actually say that we believe in religious liberty while in the very same breath, we support ejab mandates, emphasis mandates, that were not even supported by the secular judicial system, i.e. the judge that overthrew that mandate. Hypocrisy doesn't get any plainer than that, except perhaps to say we believe in keeping the commandments of God while our medical institutions bearing our name murder unborn babies. So here we are in the fulfillment 
of Daniel chapter 11, repeating the history of verses 30 through 39, and seeing the rest of that chapter being fulfilled in relationship to Revelation chapters 12 and 13. We're there. God is not waiting for the Pope. He's not waiting for a Sunday law. He's not waiting for natural disasters to take place on a universal level. God is not waiting for all of those prophecies to be fulfilled. He's waiting for a people. He's waiting for us. We have the privilege of hastening the coming of Jesus Christ because the gospel must be preached unto all the world as a witness. And we keep leaving out the witness part. Great Controversy 591. God never forces the will or the conscience, but Satan's constant resort to gain control of those who he cannot otherwise seduce is compulsion by cruelty. Through fear or force, he endeavors to rule the conscience and to secure homage to himself. To accomplish this, he works through both religious and secular authorities, moving them to enforce the enforcement of human laws in the defiance of the law of God. Desire of Ages 6.30, authorities will make laws to restrict religious liberty. They will assume the right that is God's alone. They will think they can force the conscience which God alone should control. Even now they are making a beginning. This work will continue to carry forward until they reach a boundary over which they cannot step. God will interpose in behalf of his loyal commandment-keeping people. Praise God. Desire of Ages 6.30 goes on. On every occasion where persecution takes place, here's what happens. Those who witness it make decisions either for Christ or against him. Those who manifest sympathy for the wrongs, excuse me, for the ones wrongly condemned show their attachment for Christ. Others are offended because the principles of truth cut directly across their practice. Many stumble and fall, apostatizing from the faith they once advocated. Those who apostatize in time of trial to secure their own safety bear false witness and betray their brethren. That's where we are. We're on the brink of this happening right now. People out there, political people, doctors, medical people, common people, left, right, and center, have been watching all of this. And as was said earlier, we could have been that beacon of light on a hill, people would have come to this church, to this message, in droves, and they still will. We will get this right, and they still will. The majority will leave this church, but every place made vacant by apostasy will be filled by those coming into the church. The ranks will not be diminished. Force is all-conquering, but it's victory is short-lived. We've been scared by media, by disinformation, by cancellation, by intimidation, by regulation. We've been controlled. Travel, jobs, schools, access, information. We've been isolated, locked down in society, shut out from family, friends, and religious support. We've been deceived. False science, rigged studies, no follow-up, money motivated. But God has been with us as we've stood for the truth. You know, if you refused to support the coercion and the mandating of this EJAB, if you resisted putting pressure on people or supporting others who put pressure on people to get the EJAB, if you resisted the false narrative that this was all about loving your neighbor, that getting the EJAB was more important than a conscientious obedience to God, if you resisted the heat that was ignited against you by corporate and personal media, including our own church media, against those who conscientiously refuse the EJAB, 
the emergency experimental jab, then you pass the first test. You pass the first test. If you persecuted by your words, your actions, your ungodly reactions, those who disagreed with you regarding the ejab, then you need to ask yourself, why? Why did you do that? Why did you support a cause mandating experimental emergency jabs on people who could not conscientiously take it? Why did you support the violation of the Geneva Code? Why did you, why did you do this? Was it ignorance? Ask yourself, did I knowingly do this because of the pressure of so-called science, because of family pressure, because of community pressure, because of peer pressure, or for money? Because we may yet recover, it is not too late. God has opened our eyes post-COVID pandemic to see, and sometimes hindsight is 2020. And that can be good for us. Sometimes it's better to make a mistake than to be hesitating back and forth. At least when we make a mistake, we know, I made a mistake. And we still have a mediator in heaven. We still have a God who forgives. We still have a Lord who has a heart toward us. It's time to repent of our worldliness, of our pride, of our grasping, of our religious facade, of our hypocrisy, of our love for praise and money, and listen to what God says. Listen to the principles because despite all the scientific evidence to the contrary, masking, mandating, lockdowns, and experimental emergency jabs are still believed to be what is needed to defeat the latest pandemic. They still believe that. There is no admission of failure, no recognition of untold harm, no effort to recover uh, liberty of conscience, crushed under the fear of panic and mass psychosis, so it is vital that we recognize the motive power behind these movements. Mandates, coercion, the power of force is not from God. It never has been. That's why we're in this great controversy. If you are at all confused about what just happened or even a hair's breadth curious, open to reconsider this issue, just look at the principle of coercion and force that was used that stood behind the sea jab, because force is all-conquering, but its victories are short-lived. This is my father's world. And let us ne'er forget that oh, the wrong seems oh so strong, God is the ruler yet. Now there is a straw man out there that needs to be laid to rest. So as we close out, let me just say this. The e-jabs are not the mark of the beast. Worship, 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 worship. Eight times we're told specifically in Revelation 13 and 14 that the issue of the mark of the beast centers around worship. Any Seventh-day Adventist worth a grain of salt who has a basic understanding of the mark of the beast from the principle from a biblical perspective at least, knows that the ejab mandates were not the mark of the beast. So let's just lay that straw man aside. Personally, I never heard or listened to a single Seventh-day Adventist who taught or even suggested such a non-biblical interpretation except from pro 
mandate EJAP supporters among us who often strongly suggested this faulty interpretation as a reason why people were refusing the emergency use only experimental jabs. I never, I don't know one person. Now there may be people out there, but I never heard any sermons. I don't know anyone who said that personally. You know, it's easy for us to get involved in this whole idea of social justice. There's a lot of pressure on the church to do that today. When it comes to the LGBTQ plus community, when it comes to CRT, when it comes to Black Lives Matter, when all those movements come crashing in the doors of our church, it's easy to go along. But, while people cheer us for taking a stand against the racism of the past, what about the present EJAB experiment and the medical racism of the present? There are no legal roads to help the adversely affected by those fallacious jabs. The mutilated bodies and minds are piling up and they're ignored, they're denigrated, they're gaslighted. They're ostracized by family, by friends, by society, and even the very ones who should be speaking up in defense of these defenseless ones are at best, quote unquote, dumb dogs. Isaiah 56. We've been prostituting ourselves, our voices, our character, our calling because we want to protect our income, our credentials, our good name, whatever that means. It is one thing to speak against discrimination that happened 100 plus years ago and do that in a time when you'll get a pat on the back. It's an entirely different thing to speak up against discrimination that is taking place right now in front of our eyes. People are being disenfranchised today. We are making people second class citizens today. We are presently forcing people to sit in the back of the bus, so to speak, today. Right now, today, we are not only silent like dumb dogs, but we as a church are actually supporting this present discrimination. People have lost their livelihoods, their equal opportunity, their equal access. They're being publicly defrocked like Huss and Jerome, and we say nothing. Is it gonna take us 100 years to recognize this present wrong, this medical discrimination, this medical racism that is taking place at this present time? Now this was an in-house meeting. A large number of our statements were taken from the spirit of prophecy. And if you're not a Seventh-day Adventist and you're listening to this meeting, we're thankful that you listened in. And hopefully, you will find that God has given us some special insights into what has been and is going on in our world in this country today. We hope that you too will be benefited by these insights. Because we are standing on holy ground. Pastor Ron Kelly, Elder Ron Knott, Dr. Lewis, Dr. Vine, Dr. McCullough, Elder Zirkel, and many, many more. Holy ground. Not because of men and women who have stood here in weeks and months in the last few years. Holy ground because of what God has wrought in this place. Through this church, the Holy Spirit has communicated through these weak, frail, human vessels again and again and again. And I've marveled and been blessed to take a stand with them today, publicly, 
So let our prayer be that God will yet again speak to us throughout this Holy Sabbath day. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, fill me till I want no more. Having said that, I still remember the first sermon I listened to where the Bible was manipulated to support getting jabbed with an experimental shot. It was in this pulpit right here. Some of you may remember that story, that sermon. The speaker quoted the Bible, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and then went on to apply it to getting an e-jab. But when Jesus raised that coin, he asked, whose image and superscription has it? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar. And I say to you this morning, whose image and superscription do you bear? You were made in the image of God, not in the image of Caesar. And so you render to God the things that are God. And if medical doctors can misquote the Bible like that, why should we trust them with our physical health? God is in earnest with us right now. He's given us the lesser light, the spirit of prophecy to lead us to illuminate the greater light. The great controversy is laid out for us exactly how things are going to go down. Just like Dr. McCullough said, this book that was given to these Adventists has the light in it. Liberty of conscience threatened, that's the chapter we're in. The impending conflict, that's what's right before us. The scriptures are safeguard, that's what we need. Don't let people manipulate the scriptures. Be faithful Bereans, and then the final warning. We are there, make no mistake about it. We have arrived, and before us is the final test that will separate the wheat and the tares in the church. The separation has already had a beginning, and many do not realize it, but it's not too late. It's not too late. We need genuine experience right now. We need to seek the Lord in humility of heart for the gift of repentance. For all those who violate the principles of religious liberty and freedom of conscience, God is in earnest with us. We need to repent. Don't pretend nothing happened. Don't go on like business as usual. You need to repent. Humble yourselves before the Lord. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. We shouldn't even necessarily be asking them to repent. We need to repent. As a corporate body, as a church, we need to intercede like Daniel did and confess the sins of our church as if they were our own. Only acknowledge your sin and God will be gracious unto us. May he be gracious unto each one of us is my prayer. Father in heaven, thank you this morning for your word and thank you for the spirit of prophecy. Thank you for giving us the heart to listen. Thank you for moving upon our hearts with the Holy Spirit and thank you, Father, that you promise to forgive us as we turn to you and we lift up our church. We lift up its leaders. We lift up those on the right and on the left. Every one of us, Father, we ask that you'd please do a work in us that we cannot do in ourselves. Separate us from this world and its influences. Don't allow those considerations to cause us to compromise our conscience and to support the oppression, the coercion, the mandating of the consciences of others. Father, do this work deep within our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.